0: Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. I'm the Sam, and Sam says, and today I'm really excited to welcome Lita Semenis, Helpline mm-hmm. Volunteer for the Postpartum Depression Alliance of Illinois, to talk about the importance of supporting the mental health of mothers and how beneficial it can be to the well-being of the entire family. Lita, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Samantha. I am delighted to be here, and thank you for having me. We are really excited to have you specifically, Lita, because you really bridge what we've been talking about for the last quarter and what we plan on talking about in the next quarter. And that is last quarter here at IMHIP, we've been talking about maternal health. As everyone knows, Medicaid covers 50% of births in Illinois. And then this quarter, we're talking about mental health. And as everyone knows, Medicaid's the largest payer of mental health services in the state. And so talking about the mental health and the mental well-being of moms and It's just the perfect segue and the perfect bridge to that discussion. And and you've been a helpline volunteer with PPDIL since 2008. You're on the board of directors of the Postpartum Support International, a part of the IDPH Maternal Mortality Review Committee, and have helped support and guide women and families through pregnancy and postpartum at Ascension PMAD program since 2004. So you're the exact expert we need to talk about this, to sort of talk about the work that Illinois has done, what you've done, what sort of the, the landscape looks like. And can you just start by talking our, uh, with our listeners about your experience with the Alliance, um, sort of before we dive into the importance of supporting mental health for mothers? Absolutely. Um,
1: Well, we can't talk about the Alliance without mentioning Dr. Sarah Allen. Um, She's the founder of the Alliance and an excellent perinatal mental health clinician and just an all-around lovely person. Um, She's one of the first people I met in the behavioral health field who specialized in perinatal mental health. Um, So I was very excited to work with her organization. Uh, The Alliance's focus is really on increasing awareness of maternal mental health um, among professionals and legislators. Um, Dr. Allen helps remind our governor um, every year to declare May Maternal Mental Health Month. Um, And then the organization provides peer-to-peer support um, via our warm line and um, our email um, through our website at ppdil.org. So all of our volunteers are people with lived experience, and we're all very just keen to give back to the community and, you know, provide that support.
0: Oh, I love that. What I love about the idea of lived experience, first of all, that that resource, that connection um, is it, more personal, but also it's really a healing opportunity for your volunteers to sort of put that pain and that challenge and that struggle to helping others who are still in that space that you've been able to sort of overcome and, and leave. And I think that there's a, a real synergy and beauty in taking that pain and putting it to the good. Yeah. I mean, in my private practice, I work with
1: um, patients and when I see that they're in that um, space of, I want to give back, I want to start doing something, you know, I, we can see that like, there's so much healing that's happened once they get to that place of, you know, now I want to
0: you know, take action. So yeah, it's, it is, it's very synergistic. Great word. I love that you're there to help, help families and individuals navigate that. And each phase of their healing. Um, that is just wonderful. And, you know, when we think, and I, I know I felt this, so, um, I have two awesome little boys. i have an eight month old and I have a six year old. And I personally went through, um, with my first prenatal depression and then postpartum depression and, you know, didn't realize, um, you know, and, and saw and found help sought help, um, but really, for a while, there was just in a cloud and, and a real struggle. And when we think of postpartum depression, and we think of also you know prenatal depression, we think of the mom, we think of the the one individual who is suffering. But what I know, and especially now as I reflect back, is it wasn't just that one person. It was that family structure that was impacted. And so when we talk about um, you know family structures, we know that each individual and their mental health is important, um, but that why supporting that mom is critical for the overall health and well-being of the family and of the, of the baby? Um, can you talk a little bit about, about that?
1: Absolutely. This is such a great question. I'm so glad that you know you are talking about this and thinking about this. I could definitely go on and on, but um, I'll start by saying that when a mom has untreated mental health conditions, studies consistently show that the effects on the baby, includes very concrete things like low birth weight, small head circumference, preterm birth, um, longer stays in the neonatal intensive care unit if, and more admissions to the neonatal intensive care unit or NICU, um, that they're more difficult to soothe, so they're crying more. Um, We can have impaired parent-child interactions that kind of start this sort of cascade of difficulties with interacting. Um, They can have, you know, cognitive, behavioral, emotional delays that then go further down into childhood and can affect IQ scores, um, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal abnormalities, which then predict you know, depression in children and adolescents. And then you know, these experiences that they might have may then fall under adverse childhood experiences. Um, so we know the importance also of bonding and attachment in the first year, um, and there may be links to, you know, poor bonding and untreated maternal mental illness. Um, I think it's important too to note that, you know, research finds that most heterosexual partnerships adopt a more traditional role after baby arrives. So the woman tends to take on more of that main caregiver role, while the male partner um, might take on more of a, you know, primary provider role. And the shift just in and of itself, of course, can provide, can cause distress. But if you add a perinatal mood disorder to that mix, you know, the woman may really be struggling to provide that warm, you know, give and take, you know, really positive type of attachment that is really ideal for baby. Um, And then there's the father um, or the non-birthing partner um, who is often then struggling to support the mom in her mental illness, you know, they. You know, typically say, like, I just want to help and I'm trying to do the best that I can. Um, but they may be struggling to make sense of the symptoms. They may be confused, frustrated. They may disengage. Um, so those may be the negative responses that they experience. But then, in addition, we know that the number one predictor of paternal mental health issues is mental illness in the mother. So, you know, this is definitely how this is impacting everyone. So while I've covered the effects on the baby, um, children, attachment, partners, relationships, I've kind of skipped over the the mom herself, which you mentioned, but um, I really think it's important to underscore that um, suicide is really one of the leading causes of death for women in the first year after pregnancy. So as a member of the Maternal Mortality Review Committee, um, it's not hyperbolic to say that we have a crisis in maternal mortality in the United States. And so maternal mental health is really often at the heart of the mothers we're losing, um, in this fight.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think it's so important for moms who are struggling to realize and to listen in here, getting help helps you as an individual, but it helps your baby Mm -hmm. and it helps your family as a whole, because I think, and maybe it's just me, but as a mom, I, you know, taking care of myself, I feel like I'm always putting it at the bottom of the list. Like I've got to make sure that Lincoln's lunch is packed and that Truman, you know, like I've got to make sure everybody else has their needs met. But like they say over and over again, you have, you have to put your oxygen mask on first. Yep. And so making sure my needs are met, making sure that I am well physically and mentally cascades down to my family. And not only to my children, but to my, to my husband. And so I think realizing that, and that was when, for me, for my experience, like realizing that my depression wasn't just impacting me anymore. It was, and it wasn't something I could just handle, like that it was impacting other people. That was the catalyst I personally needed Mm
1: -hmm. to
0: seek help um, and to talk about it and to like, just sort of finally admit for me not every like everything wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, I think that for other moms who are sort of in that position of trying to just put everyone else first, hearing and realizing by putting everyone else first and putting yourself last, you're actually, you know, creating a, a more challenging environment. And by putting your oxygen mask on first, admitting something's wrong, getting help, you will help yourself, but you'll help the entire environment for your family.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Totally agree.
0: And I hadn't realized, but it makes sense when you, when you say it, I I knew about all the research on um, the, the, the children and the babies. And I guess I experienced it with my husband. Like I was experiencing so much stress, which meant he was experiencing so much stress. But the idea that then, of course, all of that stress could of course bring about depression and anxiety for the, the non-birthing partner.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we want to get in there and treat that just the same. You know, it's just as important for, you know, non-birthing partners to recognize that, you know, they can be suffering too. And we want to get and, you know, get in there and, and give them the support and treatment that they need.
0: Absolutely. And I know, um, and we will dive into this a little bit further, but I think this is also important to say, there have been studies that demonstrate for adoption as well. um, And that that there can be sort of that non birthing parent postpartum depression that it can, it's a big change. It's a big shift. It puts a lot of stress on families and that stress can sometimes bring about depression and anxiety. And it doesn't mean you don't love your baby. It means that you're body and your brain are going under a lot of stress and that these are normal reactions and that there is help.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when we think about the birthing parent, you know, yes, they have the hormonal effects and, you know, the changes in their body, but there are so many other things that affect any parent. And that's, you know, the sleep changes, the identity changes, the stress of, you know, trying to manage a a new life in their, in their life. Um, work changes, um, you know, having to change, you know, establish different boundaries with family members. All of those things are still impacting everyone, you know, even the non-birthing parents. So that's important
0: to recognize. Absolutely. All right, Lita, we've talked about um, the the challenges, the need um, to get support. Let's talk about, you know, from your experience, the the driving factors of being able to most effectively support parents during this time of transition. And and specifically, of course, how do we support their mental health? How can we we help? Um, Well I would say access to care is really the primary
1: thing is you know being able to get to the services and um, get the the support that's needed. Um, A very close second, as we've kind of touched on, is reducing stigma. And I call that demythifying, not demystifying, but demythifying, because there are so many myths about motherhood. And I hear about it all the time from patients that they feel like I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be a certain way. Um, I can't tell you how often I hear moms talk about guilt. You know, I run a support group and I think we talk about guilt pretty much every time we meet. So um the guilt that they're you know, even reaching out for help, that they're ashamed that they're not bursting with joy every day um, during their pregnancy or postpartum. Um, there's a fear that if they ask for help, they will get reported to family services and have their parenting questioned at the very least of it or have their children taken away. So that's real and that's happening daily. Um, but once a mom agrees to seek support um, and engage in treatment, The clinicians and you know all of the you know public health folks. We really have to be able to respond um, and get that mom into care quickly and without putting up additional barriers like transportation and childcare and insurance issues. So that's really the thing that um, I see on a day-to-day basis that is the most challenging is getting people to care in an effective, timely way. Absolutely,
0: and and I think for the moms experiencing this and navigating it the guilt i mean there's so much like the what it what it should be how i should feel and i definitely felt that um personally especially with um my prenatal depression like i had never heard of it never just you know and i'm in this space i'm steeped in this um and i just felt like a bad mom why wasn't i so excited because i, I was not i was i i wanted to be but i wasn't um, and then in the postpartum space, obviously it's talked about more. So talking about both of these more talking about anxiety, um, and then making sure that moms know when that it is the hardest thing to do to admit that something is wrong, Mm -hmm. but that, that is really the first step. And it gets, it gets easier from once you sort of start to seek help and you start to seek care. And if you don't know where to go, there is this helpline, but also your OBGYN. These are, you know, well-versed in beginning those discussions and, and you already have that relationship with them. That might be the easiest place to sort of begin that conversation, um, and seeking out help.
1: Absolutely. There are, you know, we, we have our, um, PPDIL warm line. Um, we have the Illinois moms line through North shore, um, it's six, six, three, six, four moms. And we have a lot of resources. It's, yeah, um, the OBGYNs. One thing that we can be proud of in Illinois is that we were one of the first states to mandate screening. So, you know, Illinois is ahead of the the curve in in some ways, and um, it allows for, you know, OBGYNs to feel um, that they can talk about this. And, you know, programs like ours at Ascension um, allows them to know that, if they find someone that they're concerned about, they know that they have a place that they can send them and that they can get help right away.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you pointed that out. There are so many resources in Illinois. We will put the helpline number on the website and the tag for all of this. But also, I just love reminding people that Illinois continues to lead in this space, that requiring screening is critical to identifying moms at risk especially and avoiding those worst case scenarios mm-hmm. and trying to identify risk factors um, and doing that in a consistent, systematic way is critical to getting moms the help that they need.
1: Yeah, it's important for moms to understand and families in general just to know that we're talking about this, you know, even when a mom is feeling well, but just to have heard that language that we're concerned about this. We pay attention to this. We, we listen to this and we want to do something about it so that when something does come up, or if it's, even if it's your best friend, like I know that this doctor will talk, talk to you about this. That's so important.
0: Absolutely. Oh, we could talk about this. I think for hours and hours, there's so much to dive into, but I'm just grateful for the work that you're doing and for joining us today to continue to really spread the message. I like that idea of D de- um, mythifying it and, um, you know, making sure that moms and families know that there are resources out there. Um, I'm, I'm just in awe of, of what you do every day.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate the conversation and, you know, any chance that I get to spread the word um, that moms deserve to feel good Um I'm happy to do it. So thank you for this.
0: Absolutely. And they do. I think that is the best point to end on. It is hard. It is one of the hardest jobs in the world, but you deserve to feel good and you deserve to feel supported as a mom. And there are resources out there to make sure that you do. So if you're not feeling good, please reach out um, and know that that people care and want to help you get to a place of feeling good. Treatment works. You're not alone. You are not alone and treatment truly works. I can attest to that personally. All right, listeners, to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one, we encourage you to visit our website, i'mhip.net. And of course, don't forget to like us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Olds-Fry, the Sam and Sam says. As always, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.